Blog Talk Radio. Well, greetings, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Thousand Moms Talk. Uh, today is uh, book launch day for a new book that I've written for A Thousand Moms. Uh, it's called Gay Pride, Gay Prejudice, and How Brain Science is Helping to Conquer Fear and Misunderstanding. And joining me and leading the charge here is Dr. Ray Working. And greetings, Dr. Ray. Good afternoon, David. Temperature's up, if nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But uh, uh, at least winter has ended, but uh, the pandemic goes on. And Dr. Ray, um, I'm glad you can join in on these these shows. I hope they keep you in 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 fit form for the the absence that you have to endure for Homo Radio, the long running Sunday morning show, which is on hiatus. And um, uh, can you say any more about that? Well, I was talking to uh, Ulysses, one of the co-hosts, and who also is the associate director of admissions and uh, today by Facebook, and he said that, uh, indeed, they have no idea. There's no clue. Nobody knows when the campus will be opened again. Uh, as of right now, without the station and the hookup, um, it's not happening because, as you know, the um, radio station is within the, Dame, uh, the Darren Communications Center, we are still syndicated, so every time, it's somewhere at every, at any time and every day, the show is played in a syndicated fashion, but certainly not from, it's not broadcast from the radio. And we now have uh, eight weeks of, uh, tomorrow will be the ninth without a, a new show. But they have 15 years since I came alone to uh, keep repeating, and they're four hours each, so. People will be hearing a lot of uh, reruns. They'll be like, I love Lucy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, where can uh, people uh, dial in to uh, online to, to hear your uh, archived shows? Well, you, uh, the archives are on homoradio.com, and that's, that's uh, .org, rather. I'm sorry. Just homoradio.org, and there you can peruse the the dates or little taglines on them that tell you what they're about, and just keep going to your heart's content. Go back as far as you'd like. Um, it doesn't go back to the inception of 1992, I should say, with that proviso. But uh, there's enough listening to keep you going until probably fall. <laughs> well, I hope that's not the case for for you and for all of us, but. Uh, I, I I encourage folks to to listen in, and and uh, uh, you can even catch me on an episode or two over the past uh, ten years or so. Um, and Ray, you you've invited me at some point to uh, when you mm-hmm. reappear um, to do this all over again. This uh, uh, talking about my book, which of which I'm uh, very proud and it's, it's sort of a lifelong uh, effort and uh, brought back lots of memories 
good and bad. And um, so we'll do that when you reconvene. Uh, it's always a thrill to have you on the show. Can you guess how many times you've been on, it, not counting our Susan Arbiter appearances? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I would say five or seven in that area. Actually, it's nine. Nine appearances. Nine. All right. Nine. Oh, yep. my God. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, well, they they just go so smoothly, and and, and they're, they're part of a natural flow of a day to pop in to uh, see you and the guys at, uh, uh-huh. at the RPI campus. So a pleasure as well, uh, but you are... You you do hold a distinction. You're in the top ten list of most prolific uh, guests. So I thought you'd like to know that. Oh, oh. I, I tallied it up last night. That's where you, you rank number nine at this point. So. Well, all right. Well, that's good to know. And um, we'll make it uh, ten as soon as possible. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is really a thrill, David, and I'm going to play the role, I guess, that I usually do on Homo Radio. I didn't mean to interrupt you and, and interview, have oh. do one of my up-close-and-personal uh, interviews with an author, which is one of my favorite things to do, especially with you. So, uh, uh, Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's, uh, are you, com- are you comfortable in the chair? You're not in the booth today like you usually are. <laughs> well, I'm in the... Uh, in the Thousand Moms mobile studio, you know, we've had to improvise and uh, we have uh, uh, the mobile studio going today. That's not the van that has the Playgirl Pictures uh, centerfolds painted on the side like we once actually had at Homo Radio, is it? No. No, no, no. Playboy, we, we, rather. We're, we're, Playgirl. I had it in the first Playgirl, place. Playgirl, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're in uh, yeah. in uh, Schenectady, so it's it's... It would be very conspicuous. So we had to. Well, I can uh, tell you, it was very conspicuous in Troy. People came out of restaurants to see the van. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. Uh, you have penned a, a book that's right, hot off the presses, and I, I read it for the second time last night because it really resonates with me as, as a gay man. Uh, but I'm, I'm always so impressed with your CV. We've only gone over it once, as far as I know. Um, or you have on this show, you're very humble. But uh, tell us about your educational background, David, and your work experience. Yeah. Uh, well, it all sort of comes together in the book because uh, even the the science uh, part of the book, where I talk about the brain, and, and uh, it's really part of my resume because I, I did spend considerable number of years um, about 15 at the Dana Foundation, working with uh, uh, just a few Nobel laureates. And, and um, you know, at the time, I didn't realize uh, what rarefied air I was in. It was, it was uh, uh, a very rushed, um, uh, demanding job, and it was very rewarding. Um, but Ray, my educational background, I went, uh, as, uh, as you know, and, and, uh, uh, others have asked, I, I went to Fordham prep in the Bronx. It's a, uh, for it's, it was a offshoot of Fordham university, but it's one of the, the Jesuits 
um, uh, crown jewels, you might say, of of their uh, the Jesuits as 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 uh, uh, <laughs> we have certain words for them. Even my father, who was fairly and uh, had some words <laughs> about the Jesuits, they're mercurial. They're 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 uh, unusual, an unusual order. But they are great educators. And Fordham Prep was uh, sort of the uh, secondary for secondary schools was their their crown jewel. And uh, of course, I didn't know it at the time. I was just told, "Oh, this is a good school. You should go." And uh, you know, you do the application and you show up and uh um and then from there I went to Hamilton College in central New York, uh, sort of a minor uh wannabe Ivy League, uh or little Ivy, uh along the lines of Williams College, which was Fred Fred's alma mater, which is Fred's alma mater. And uh were very similar school they were very similar schools and and then I um um uh, when I got into the real world I gravitated toward uh book publishing and spent um a decade or so in various jobs in editing and writing um uh science and technology books. I'd much rather have been writing uh poetry books or um you know, uh literature but <laughs> Those don't sell, and and very few uh, publishers sell them. Um, so I went where the small money was. I went to um, these publishers who had uh, solely concentrated on the sciences, and and that led me to uh, working at the Dana Foundation, the Charles Dana Foundation. I think they've gone back to the full name, and uh, I was uh, hired to be a neuroscience writer. And having known nothing about neuroscience, they were very upfront about it. And they actually preferred somebody who did not know the field because they said, it's so full of jargon, we want to teach you from the beginning and so that you can uh, explain this stuff to uh, the general public. Um, because that was their mission to take the science and and break it down into uh, basically a eighth grade uh, level of readership, a, a news a general newspaper level of readership. And so I got to work there with some pretty uh, um, pretty heady people, uh, including. Um, William Sapphire, who was the language columnist of the New York Times, former speechwriter for Richard M. Nixon, um, and not my uh, uh, political colleague or compadre, um, but um, a demanding editor and a Pulitzer Prize winner. So I learned certain skills and traits um, and I hope they come through in this book. The title of this book just jumps off the page to me, Gay Pride, Gay Prejudice, with a subtitle of How Brain Science is Helping to Conquer Fear and Misunderstanding. And, boy, that describes so much of my life. Wow. Uh, 
So let you yeah. know what I always used to say as an English professor and department chair, everybody who was in any of the graduate programs would tell you they had at least one book in the top drawer of their desk, and it never found its way onto paper in way too many cases. So my first question to these people always is, why do you want, why are you writing this book and why now? Or why do you want to? Now, in your case, um, you've already, you've done it. You've completed the, the task. But let's back up. What, what motivated you to write this and why did you write it now? Um, well, Ray, I, I, this has been something uh, I've been cooking up for a while. And I give credit to my, my friend Jerry Hurst in, in Minnesota, who's a, a, a very, very com- committed LGBTQ activist. And we discussed this um, uh, a while back, six months or more. And um, I uh, I was looking for ideas and, and uh, um, really, Ray, the, the, the impetus is uh, you know, we talk on this show about parative therapy and, and and the damage that that does to kids, LGBT kids, damage and lifelong, um, um, well, lifelong damage. But this this whole, you know. Uh, when marriage equality happened in 2015, um, I've I've always thought this, and I've always been sort of out of the mainstream and LGBT culture. But you know, marriage equality did not settle everything, as you well know, ever on on our podcast. And um, I just, well, really, one of the catalysts was. Um, I I used to work for a scientist, one of the scientists I worked with, um, who is uh, both brilliant and and a horror show, uh, is uh, Dr. Eric Kandel at Columbia University, and um, uh, he used to appear on the Charlie Rose show, um, Charlie Rose of ill ill repute. Um, Quite often, and and he would do shows on um, the brain and different various topics, and I would uh, um, invariably Fred would have this on TV and not know that uh, if if I saw Eric Kandel on on the Charlie Rose show, what emotions it would stir up because he he was at times your best friend and then. And then he could help pave the way for real trouble. And uh, um, but anyway, he was a brilliant neuroscientist. He won the won the Nobel Prize for basically discovering what a memory is and how it's formed. And um, one time he was hosting a show. One of the topics was um, the transgender brain, and it was fascinating. Um, and fell in line with uh, some of the things I had learned. And he had a whole slew of guests on, and they 
and he made an a, an excellent point uh Dr. Candell did that you know once one way to erase a stigma is to understand what is really happening and and he actually used the word you know liberating that brain science can be a liberating force because we're finding out more and more what causes sexuality um and 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 you know ray it's really been a third rail topic uh for for most of my lifetime activists have told me you know don't even talk about it it's not worth it 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 begs the question well if you find out what causes homosexuality you're going to want to cure it it just is accept it well uh, dr candell pointed out rightly on the show that uh, knowledge is power and as i learned and and this research is fairly new maybe in the last decade or so um that there is an understanding of what causes sexuality and and once i uh got into the the studies of it i thought well people need to know this it is as my friend dr kendall said it is liberating it is um uh, information that can i don't say it will but it can um explain to parents explain to gay youth uh what is this stigma that we've all been uh, you know this been a thumb on our on our lives on our very being what is it and i i just think people need to know this story and uh it's liberating for me um having you know uh, uh been through the the running the gauntlet of of uh, being gay in this society ray you've described it so aptly as uh um you felt like you were the fugitive in in the, the famous tv series and i was going to ask you could you could you uh recount that those feelings for our audience be, because i i featured them in the happy. book Yes, I was so impressed when I was reading it. I didn't realize I was going to pop up, and there I was in the middle of the night reading your book. Uh, actually, the Fugitive, the TV show with David Jansen came on in the, the fall of 1963, the fall that John Kennedy was assassinated, uh, and The Outer Limits came on. That was a new show, and also, um, of course, The Fugitive. And to summarize it, if there's anyone on the planet who doesn't know the narrative, uh, Richard Kimball, and it's based on a true story, sometimes loosely, but uh, he was a physician, had an argument with his wife, left um, upset, went out, came back, saw a one-armed man running from the house, went in, found his wife dead. The police came on the scene and uh, felt that he had, since in most uh, murders of, of spouses are by the other spouse, they uh, they thought that he was had killed his wife, and of course he was convicted, and he was on the way to the death house uh, with the the one and only Lieutenant Gerard. And Lieutenant Gerard, uh, I think, on some level knew that he that Kimball was probably innocent, but it didn't make one bit of difference. He was dogged and determined to find Kimball and take him back and have him go to the electric chair, which is where they were going. On the way, they had a train wreck, and uh, 
and Kimball escaped, and he spent the rest of the series running. I felt that I was Richard Kimball at that point. I was always running. I mean, I had the grades. Ultimately, I, you know, I, I, I got the degrees. I was very thankful for the, the jobs I had in secondary ed and, and uh, the full college professorship, department chair, and finally, up, finally at RPI as a, you know, as a cleared engineer. And I, I've been very thankful for what happened. But what people don't realize is that my life is upside down. Most of that time, I was looking over my shoulder because at any moment, David, I could, would have lost everything. Um, you know, up until 1973, the American uh, Psychiatric Association, the American Medical Association, uh, had us deemed as a, a mental illness. And I was already um, a tenure, coming up on tenure at that point. So, uh, and then even long after that, if you would come out, you would have lost your job. You would no longer have been a teacher. So just like Richard Kimball, one wrong move, and he was caught, one wrong move, and my whole career was done. And and we've yeah you've done a wonderful job about talking about uh, you know being gay is stress on steroids and we did a, a landmark segment on Homo Radio with you describing that that people are still talking about and that's why I you know people say what are you talking about the fugitive well, hopefully that conveys it was that that incredible edginess of knowing that any mistake any clue any dropping of the wrong pronoun uh, as a teacher as a professor would cost me my job. And yeah. and then it would cross Kimball's life. And tell tell us about the the stress on steroids. That's a segment that was so prominent. Well, you know that that was a term coined by our uh, our friend Dr. Bill Buffy, who is also quoted in the book. Uh, Dr. Bill Buffy is a uh, an internist in Indiana, father of our friend Claire Buffy, uh, um, who was uh, Miss New York State. And um, he wrote beautifully. He's very committed to the LGBT rights issue. And he wrote a beautiful paper on um, uh, minority stress and how gay minority stress is, uh, is, is really unique in, uh, because we're invisible and um, we don't have support. Imagine a child uh, fearing for... I went through this, um, you know, just in fear of being rejected, of being thrown out. I mean, I hear that that's a common theme of of uh, gay people. And what does that do to your self-esteem over life? And, and, um, and, and Ray, I, what if, you know, as uh, I, I mean, I've met Dr. Buffy. He's just such a calming presence i think he has an admiration for gay people who who go through this and and survive but you know uh what if it didn't have to be and i'm not naive that this this stigma is not going away uh or that this stigma is going away it, it, it's there but what if we start to educate people educate parents about their gay kids and and the the terrifying moment that we all go through that that uh, the coming out um i i i mean i even hate the term because it 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 puts the a negative uh, uh burden on, on 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 the process but um just just to uh, just to get back to uh 
the origin of the book with, with Dr. Kandel, Dr. Eric Kandel's show did um, was very liberating in terms of transgender understanding what is the transgender brain, um, what are the, the factors that happen, and um, but what he didn't do and really grated on me the more I thought about it um, and knowing the guy, knowing his quirks and his prejudices, why didn't he talk about the LGBT brain, the, the gay brain, the lesbian brain, um, uh, the bisexual brain? Um, he didn't. He chose the topic of the time, which was transgenderism, and, and believe me, is no belittling of that, but the le- numbers are much, much larger for LGBT. And um, uh, some studies uh, separate them. Some studies um, uh, talk only about LGBT, LGBT people, and T is, a, is another category. But my point is that for some reason, Dr. Kandel chose the topic of the day. It was Caitlyn Jenner time. And yes, transgender is, uh, they get the worst of it. I mean, I mean the, the, the rate of murder, suicide among transgender uh, women of color is horrific. It's something like 40%. And it is a horrific, horrific problem. But, you know, we're living... Uh, lives of equal or similar, uh, maybe I shouldn't say equal, but, you know, no, no, it's not a game. It's not a who's doing, who's got more suicides this week than, than the other group. We're all in bad shape. We're all still uh, uh, scrambling, especially in these, these Trump times when, when uh, everything but white straight men are, are, any, anything other than that is trash. And so uh, I was angry that uh, Dr. Kandel did his show on transgender but did not cover LGB. And I know him and I know his biases. And he never addressed it, never went back on the series and and and, and did a second show. And it just bothered me. So in a way... This book is is a response to uh, the esteemed, the very um, uh, accomplished Nobel laureate Eric Kandel, but also um, a flawed man who uh, has his own preconceptions and biases. And um, so let me leave it at that (laughs) for that topic. Well, you know, the stress on steroids that we talked on the show uh, on Homo Radio about uh, translates into actuarial tables that are staggering. I mean, if they were, if the life insurance uh, salesmen were, companies were able to eliminate LGBTQ+, they, they would definitely do that because we, we, we don't live as long. And there are a multiplicity of reasons why. Uh, some of them are, you know, the overuse of alcohol, cigarettes, um, uh, harmful drugs and I think the biggest category of all is the one that we talked about it's this constant edginess that, that you have and that you you live with um, now one of the things about gay quote unquote gay books which uh, I, I noticed up to Easter Mountain the gay retreat that's celebrating their, 
their 20th anniversary this weekend. They're, they have an entire library, David, of marvelously well-written books. And David fiction, Carter, who fiction, wrote... Right? Uh, uh, no, uh, they're predominantly no, they're predominantly nonfiction, uh, somewhat okay. analogous to the type of book that you read. Nowhere near as, as uh, you know as scientific, but but a, it's a bevy of knowledge about being gay. I'll put it that way. I I, I don't remember many fiction works. They're predominantly nonfiction. I didn't think there could be that many books of that many quality people, and they never saw as David Carter, who wrote uh, the Stonewall riots. Um, talk to I think both of us about it's almost impossible it has proven impossible for anybody to write a book about being gay or LGBTQ plus and end up with it on the bestseller list because it, it's pushed off and which leads me to my question what with that in mind what what is your audience you want interaction of style and audience sells a book or any or a movie or whatever so what how would you define your audience for this incredibly uh, well-written book, Gay Pride, Gay Prejudice? Well, it's really the Thousand Moms audience. Um, You you know, we're here to be voices for uh, these youth and and adults. I, 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 you know, I, and I just view the audience as parents, um, uh, teachers, clergy, uh, con- just uh, concerned people. I mean, I um, uh, I begin the story. The book was a story of uh, my friend Jack the Baker, who was uh, um, an incredible ally. And and you know, he was a, a middle class guy uh, with a large family, and and. He was, uh, okay. I think he possibly saved the life of a transgender uh, um, child of a friend of his um, because of his uh, ability to listen, his ability to um, be a, a, a just a sounding board for this transgender youth. And I, in that way, Ray, I think everybody. Is, is, Everybody has a stake in this book, um, uh, just as we we hoped a thousand moms uh, uh, can reach out and and um, provide education about um, our gay children, our gay colleagues. Uh, we've got to just ex- explain the the um, that this stigma is serves no purpose. It's groundless. It's ancient, um, and we talk about, you know, the Bible, and and how the stigma began, and how it's even, you know, it was uh, worse worsened in the in the 20th century by biased uh, translators. Uh, I mean, it's all around us, and it, it, it's it's it reduces, diminishes lives, uh, cuts lives short. Dramatically, uh, and what to what point does it does it work? And I I just think that we need to um, don't have to explain ourselves, but we do have to understand that uh, 
homosexuality is is governed by processes no different than what governs heterosexuality and um even though it's uh, it's it's heterosexuality is the 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 majority by far homosexuality as dr bill buffy said is a significant uh contains a significant minority of the population you're talking 30 million people in this country and or more and we need um to understand it i could list a uh, 100 people i've met with phd's and and um you know uh jobs up the wazoo and uh education who cannot deal with their own children um who who and the children um suffer tremendously because of it and it um uh, you know fred is, has come across this constantly as as um you know in his and fred is your partner soon to be husband who who is the president yes. of a thousand moms, right? Yeah. Yes, thank you. And um, so it's, I mean, I could look at my family. I bet I could look, you could look at your family and and say this would open eyes. And I'm not blind to the fact that minorities, especially the, the, uh, the African-American community, have, uh, uh, have similar treatment. Women, that is, uh, I think Jimmy Carter called the treatment of women the biggest, biggest problem worldwide. Um, And I'm not um, uh, discounting any of that. But, you know, it's time for us to speak up. And it's time for us as a gay community to get the truth out there. And um, so, Ray, I have a song I'm itching to play. Um, that you, you inspired me, um, as you do on your show, and um, well, I can't wait to hear what the song is and listen to it. Okay, well, it's it's a favorite of mine, and it's something I've always uh, dreamed of dancing to uh, at a wedding, and I, I I just may do this this fall. Um, and here it is from the Young Rascals. How can I be sure? How can I be sure In a world that's constantly changing How can I be sure Where I stand with you Whenever I
Young Rascals from 1967, a, a great memory for me, and something, I, um, a song, as I said, I, I, I uh, longed to, uh, to at a, at a wedding, and and uh, and I'm, I believe that will be a reality uh, this fall. But it, it, it's just a pretty song, and a, um, a questioning song. I think we all spend our lives as gay men and as uh, lesbian and transgender and bisexual, uh, just questioning our, our place in this world. And, and, uh, you know, we struggle for intimacy. Um, I, I think that that is um, a major, major issue I try to bring out in the book is that, uh, you know, uh, Marriage is if marriage equality is is kind of futile if if you're unable to form close relationships and to survive as youth we had to build walls ourselves and as one of the scientists I quote in the book says we bring the closet with us as we grow into adulthood and and breaking down those walls is is very very difficult. And um, uh, it's uh, it may change for a new generation, I hope. Um, but uh, you y- you know it's uh, it's just a, a, an amazing phenomenon that I think we've had enough of. And and Ray, one of the points you said, what what is a motivating what, what another motivating factor I had in writing the book was just seeing the, the tons and tons of YouTube videos of, of angry uh, preachers, uh, you know, uh, uh, confining uh, uh, gay people to hell and damnation. Um, it, it, 
it's just a nightmare. And they're usually uh, men, um, well, almost always men, shouting and uh, misinterpreting the Bible. And um, so I, uh, one of the chapters in the book I spend looking at, um, well, you, you know, um, the great John Boswell, the, the late John Boswell was a professor at Yale University, and he um, he really did a landmark study, and he took apart the prejudices and biases uh, uh, inherent in the Bible, the misinter the mistranslations, and uh, you know that's what kids are facing. And and you know, Ray, the the reparative therapy seems to have uh, the monsters reawakened, or whatever metaphor you want. Uh, in the last ten years or so, uh, kids are—they're happening right around you, in your corner of the world. Well, you have such an—we we are, and uh, you know, you, you just did a great job about discussing religion as a weapon, and of course, with the evangelicals and the election and the whole venue right now, the holistic situation is so much a part of that. It probably couldn't decide the election. Well, we're, we're down to our last few minutes here, believe it or not. And uh, yeah. I don't know how you'd feel about coming back or having me come back and uh, do a part two, but uh, I'm getting a lot of responses here on, by emails and uh, from Homer Radio listeners who have migrated over to uh, to the podcast. So well, if you would be sure, willing, I'd, I'd love like to. to I, you know, there's 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 a a a month of Sundays worth of information that I'd like to talk about, and uh, sure, let's do that. And you, uh, you'll have to come up with another great song because that, uh, gosh, when I listened to the lyrics of that, David, I, I understood you in a way that I never have before. And the fact that you are getting married as soon as the coronavirus allows you, um, it's going to be the summer. I guess now you're looking at the fall and God knows if that'll work, but eventually it shall yeah. happen. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a tough life and this restorative reparative therapy, you know, uh, people are asking what that is. And I want to get into it more next week, but uh, in less less than three minutes we have, it's the praying the gay away, and uh, it's this idea that you can fix something, as you mentioned, aforementioned topic, and it's at the heart of everything. Three words, not a choice, and that's what I say to all parents. And I'm sure in a thousand moms, you're you know you're in the same spot. It's not a choice. We don't fit the the profile that many parents would like, and because of that, many of them have a problem. But I'd really yeah. like to wrap ourselves into this next week around it. and, and uh, Yeah. Well, as, know, a, as a, friend, a dear friend of mine, um, Art DeCourt, said years ago, and unfortunately he committed suicide, he, he said there's very little wisdom, sadly, in our community because we don't, we haven't survived and we don't have a, 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 a you know, a, traditional way of passing on wisdom um but uh, it he, he he said you know it is a difficult life whether or not you choose to deal with it and i hope we can uh improve lives and save lives and ray i want just in the minute we have i want to tell people the book is available right now on amazon uh it's called gay pride gay prejudice and um use my name david Balog, B-A-L-O-G, to search for it. And uh, we would appreciate 
kept uh, your interest. The, the, we've kept the price at the absolute minimum for the beginning so that we can get the word out, get the book out. And also, if people would like a review copy, a complimentary review copy, I can offer a few. Please write to me at dbaylog99 at gmail.com, dbalog99 at gmail.com. So, Ray, I think we're going to uh, shut off that's by, it. Uh, by blog talk. But thank you so much, and, and uh, let's do a part two. I appreciate it. Thank you, David, and we look forward to next week. Get gay pride, gay prejudice. You will not be disappointed, and enjoy the rest of the okay. afternoon. Okay, Bye-bye. thank you, Ray. How can I?